All right. Have you got me? Am I coming through clear? Yeah. All right. I'm going to pray while uh, while the worship team is coming down. Thanks, Papa. I love it that you give us opportunities to rejoice when the enemy means evil. I, I like how that you encourage us to lean into you in the moments that we really need to lean into you. And I pray that you would just fill us, Lord, with joy today. Help us, Lord, to have some fun. And, uh, Lord, if you want to keep that rain off of us, that'd be all right, too. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you out there? Can you hear me? <laughs> Thanks, man. Worship team, man, I'm sorry we had sound issues. You sounded great, though, from what I could hear, but I'm the only one who heard you. Sorry about that. So, the weather forecast said we would have uh, mild winds this morning. So, of course, here they come at about 30 miles an hour. All right. I just want to thank Al Harris from the radio network for helping us out today. This is going to be fun. <laughs> I also want to thank uh, Mayor Como, Dr. Stations. It's just been a, a whole lot of folks, Chief Wamsley, who've uh, made this possible. So you guys don't worry about me. Right now we're just going to worry about what, uh, what the Word of God has to say. Is that all right with you? All right, I got a yeah. I got a few horns. <laughs> and I've got my wife is over here in this black pickup truck, and she holds up something. So uh, this ought to be a lot of fun, okay? Sounds good. So today we're jumping right back into this altar series. Thanks for coming out. Um, I want to go ahead and say this. I don't know that people are going to be able to hear us at home because of the sound issues that have developed. And uh, so that being said, uh, you guys are streaming on Facebook. Sorry about that. We will get this. We're videotaping this and recording it. We will get it up uh, a little later. But let me get started with a, a scripture. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter um, 13, verse 8. So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be attracted to strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. i tell you one thing that's really clear right now. By the way, if I get dizzy, I got rails, so I, I won't, probably won't go down. But one of the things that has been made very clear in the last few weeks is that we live in the land of, of never enough, that things are just running out. I mean, we're out of stuff like, you know, toilet paper. That's the biggest joke. That's the, the funniest thing, I guess. Uh, of course, when we, when we first started this thing, I was making toilet paper jokes, but then I realized only the wealthy could build toilet paper forts right now. We're out of rubbing alcohol and, of course, money. <laughs> and uh, so... As we get into this realization that we live in a world that's, that's forever charging more and more for less and less. And that, that is the way things work in the world in which we live, okay? And, and if, you, if you buy into the world's strategy on things, you, you end up sacrificing a lot for not very much. And so that's where these altars come into play because so many of the things that we want in life are on some kind of altar that requires sacrifice. I mean, if you want money, it's going to cost you time. 
If you want toys, it's going to cost you time and money and maintenance and those kind of things. Whatever it is that you, you might have that you might want, there are going to be some sacrifices that you're going to have to make for those things. And so in the ever-diminishing world of less and less, things cost more and more. But that's not how things work in the kingdom. That's not how things work from the altar that Jesus take, uh, uh, built when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And so that's what I want to talk about. I said, I've said in the last two messages in this series that, hey, that we as Christians live from a different offer, uh, altar, a different source, a, a different supply. And so today we're, I want to get into that, that idea of how we can live from that different supply and how we can come at things with hope rather than without hope. Because Jesus Christ flipped the whole concept of the Old Testament altar on its head. Because the Old Testament altar required blood and animals and things died on those altars. Well, Jesus went to an altar that was supposed to take his life, and all it did was free him from death. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ freed us from death by his sacrifice on that altar. And so that's how things work in our life now. The new covenant altar is an altar that doesn't burn things up like the altars in the world do, but it's an altar that frees things up. And so when we talk about, is everything okay, guys? All right, okay. I don't know, my guys down here, I'm, I'm, it's, it's really cool. I've, if we had a moat, that's the only thing that could make it better with some alligators, but that's a different thing. Back, back to what we're talking about. Sorry about that. So as we think about this idea of altars, I, I want to move from the idea of altars that burn things up to, uh, to altars that free things up. But you've got to first consider what altars have always been about. Now, even in the Old Testament, altars were about life. Now, if I were you sitting in that car, I'd be going like, no, that can't be right. I mean, sheep, goats, rams, bulls, all shed their blood on those altars. And everything died on those altars. But what you don't realize is that the reason things died on those altars is so that people could live from those altars. And even from the very beginning, when Abraham built that first altar at Bethel, God said, hey, man, I'm, I'm taking you out of Haran. I want you to go to the promised land. And so, you know, he packs up his Winnebago, drives off to the Canaan land. He gets there, he builds an altar at Bethel. The, pre, the house of God is what Bethel means. He builds the altar to mark, hey, this is it. This is my future. So when Abraham built an altar, he built it for the future. Then he, he built an altar at Bethel. Then he messed up. He ran off into Egypt because there wasn't enough food. But then God, you know, got through to him, and he came back, and it was kind of like a restart at Bethel. So he started again. And so for Abraham, for, for Jacob, who also built an altar at Bethel, those altars weren't about death. They were about the future. And an altar is often about letting go of the past so you can go forward. An altar clears the way for a new future. And so there's Abraham and Jacob. But there are other altars. Their altar cleared up a future. We talked two weeks ago about the Passover altar and how that they sacrificed the lamb and the whole household ate a meal off of that sacrifice. So they had a barbecue to be set free from the land of Egypt, to be released from bondage. That meal set them free. That meal 
uh, released them from bondage, and that meal destroyed their enemies. And so they were able to walk out of Egypt under the strength and the force of a meal that they had together that died on an altar, the Passover altar, so to, so to speak. But the third thing the Old Testament altar did and why it was about life was that the high priest and the priest who sacrificed the food or sacrificed the, uh, the animal, they both lived from the sacrifices. And so, I'm sorry, I'm trying to stay out of the wind. I don't know how well I'm doing. Um, and so as those sacrifices were made, the priest families were sustained by those sacrifices. Now, what does this have to do? Michael, why are you talking about sacrifices and altars? That was thousands of years ago. We don't do that stuff anymore. Well, here's why. Everything about those altars was about Jesus. Everything about those altars was about Jesus Christ. Jesus was everything. He was the, the Passover lamb. He was the Red Sea that parted. He was the tree they cut down to make the water sweet at Merah. He was the rock that followed them and provided water for them in the, in the wilderness. He was the manna that came down from heaven. Every sacrifice, every animal that died, all the blood that was shed was all Jesus. All of it was Jesus Christ. And so the altars were all about Jesus. Now, what does that have to do with anything? What, what? We know that, Michael. We just went through Easter. We just went through the resurrection. We know it's all about Jesus. Well, here's the problem that you begin to face when you begin to realize that all those sacrifices were about Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry in John 6, 34 and 35. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus claimed to be all of those things. But here was the issue in the nation of Israel in Numbers 11, 6. The, the children of Israel said, Now our appetites are gone, and all we ever see is this manna. And, and it says again in Numbers 21, 5, it says they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. I just told you that everything that Jesus did, or everything in the Old Testament was a picture of Jesus, and now we find that the children of Israel didn't like Jesus. The manna wasn't enough for them. It didn't satisfy them. And man, it just it blows my mind that God could like open heaven's bakeries every morning to feed a nation in the wilderness, and, and they don't appreciate it. They don't want what God provides. That kind of blows my mind that those kind of things can happen, that someone could get sick of God's answer. And I, I got to thinking about what was going on. Because what happened to the nation of Israel was they, they were tired of the free food that God provided, and they started to remember about the free food program in Egypt. You know where they got fish and onions, and I don't, I don't know why fish and onions would go together in their minds, but that's, that's what they talked about. They got free food is what they thought. That we got all this stuff for free in Egypt, but they forgot the price they had to pay, slavery. They forgot that they had, to, they had to sacrifice their sons and their daughters for that free food. And so they're now out in the wilderness, 
Now they're free. They're truly free. They don't have masters anymore. But with freedom comes responsibility. And every day they wake up and here's the bread from heaven. Same bread every day. God's answer every day. God's provision every day. And it wasn't enough. God's answer, those altars, everything God had done wasn't enough for them. That was the question that I kept wrestling with. As I was thinking through this altar series and like, man, God, how do we live not just die, but live from these altars that you have. And, and, and God, there's this verse that you'll probably hear in the next several sermons that is stuck in my head that I can't let go of. And it's 1 John 2, 15. And, and John writes, he says, Don't love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. As I thought about that, I thought, man, am I like an Israelite? Do I... Do I do I live my life in such a way that Jesus isn't enough? That, that I need Jesus and whatever the world has to offer. That I need Jesus and the toys. Jesus and the money. Jesus and the popularity. Jesus and the fame. Am I living from the wrong altar? Am I living from an altar that burns things up? Or am I living from an altar that frees things up? And as I began to wrestle with that, it, it became clear to me that there were some sacrifices I needed to make to free things up in my life, to release some things in my life, because that's how a new covenant altar works. We come and we bring things to Jesus, and he redeems them. And just like he went to die and he ended up overcoming death, we, the things we offer on our altar, on the altar of Christ, we end up overcoming. We end up with being able to use in ways that, that bless people in ways that are way beyond our own abilities and potentials. So our basis for this series is Hebrews 13, 8 through 16. And I'm just going to take a line or two out of it. I, I would read the whole thing. But, uh, Jesus, thanks, hon. Hun is my wife, by the way. She's right over here. I'm not calling any other ladies here hun, just in case you were curious. But in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be attracted to strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules. Your strength comes from God's grace. And I'm like, God, what, what's the, what are you telling me? And he says, hey, here's your first sacrifice. And so here it is, to be free. Something that needs to be freed on an altar and not burned on an altar is your strength. What you have and what you give. So many people approach religion from this idea of effort. Man, i got to work really hard and do a lot and, and, and so forth for God. But what I'm talking about is is this thing called grace, and it, its strength of it doesn't come from rules. How, how much you go to church will not improve your grace quotient in life. How much God likes you will not be improved by how much money you give or how many good things that you do. Your strength 
is when you realize that you and I are dependent upon God's grace. And the thing about grace is you cannot earn grace. Man, I wish I, wish I could get that. I wish my own heart could get that idea. You can't earn grace. Have you ever looked at someone who that God was blessing? Okay, I, I know you're in your cars now, so you can look as spiritual as you want when I say this, all right? But have you ever, you ever looked at someone that God's blessing and you're like, well, why doesn't God bless me? I'm better than they are. But here's the thing. God doesn't work on earning. God doesn't have an economy where you earn stuff from him. Everything you get from God is grace. 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 That's your... <clears throat> That's your strength. This is the grace of God. It's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 could say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's why this morning when we have all the sound issues and everything goes, like, you know, we, we rehearsed, went through everything, everything's working perfectly, and then it doesn't work, and now all of a sudden we're like humbled, right? Worship team, you feel humbled, but that's okay. Because, because God, humility attracts God. Humility attracts God because God is a God of grace. And his grace comes in, and his grace, and Paul said, hey, I take pleasure in my weaknesses. So, so here's our lesson for today. This is just for the worship team, all right? So now, now we take pleasure that everything went wrong. Hallelujah, it all went wrong, right? <laughs> because now it's all grace. And whatever happens, whatever is going to happen, now only God can get the credit, right? That's good. And so when we lay our strength on the altar, realize there's nothing I can do to impress God. I can't make God happy. Everything that comes in my life, it's not about what I do. It's about what God has already done. It's about what Christ has already accomplished for me. It's not how much I can work, but how much work Jesus has already done, right? What if by sacrificing your strength, you got stronger. What if that's the way the altar works? Just like Jesus went to an altar that was supposed to kill him and he lifed his way out of it. What if by sacrificing your strength, God gives you more strength than you ever imagined? This is the new altar. This is the new covenant. There you give it to God and then God does more with it than you ever dreamed. But, of course, that's not all the verse says. The verse also says in Hebrews 13, about verse 9, it says, Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. I really wanted to do a blood series of hymns today, I just, but I didn't talk to Steve about it, so it didn't happen. But it was just like just thinking about all the amazing offerings and hymns that we have about the blood and how powerful it is and how little sense the blood of Jesus makes to so many people. But nonetheless, verse 13, Hebrews 13 says, Let's go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace that he bore. The, the second sacrifice is a sacrifice of pride. Pride. What does that mean? I mean, it seems like laying down your strength is enough, right? That's a lot. But here's, here's what I mean about pride and how we let it go and how we come to Jesus on it. And it's, it's pretty simple, really. Jesus is my only answer. Jesus is it. If we were playing cards, and this were, li this were some kind of life game, and you could play cards, and you were playing poker with me, I'd have to play Uno with you, because I only got one card. 
It's the Jesus card. All of my eggs are in one basket. I, th- there's a guy who died, who was arrested and condemned and convicted and murdered. And he's a convicted felon, and he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he's my commander. That's what I'm proud of. And I have no other hope. There's, Jesus is it. I cannot, I cannot work hard enough to accomplish what he's accomplished for me. I can't do enough. I can't win enough people to Christ. I, I can't preach enough sermons. I can't love my family well enough or my friends well enough to even come close to the love of God, this presence in Jesus Christ for me. I am his and he is mine. This convicted felon is my Lord and Savior. So keep all the stuff the world has, the money, the trips, the clothes, the fancy, the fashionable, the fame. I'm going to stick with my master because my master came to earth, and he lived pretty simple. He had a one change of clothes. He didn't have a car. If he did, I guess it would be a Honda Accord because they were all in one Accord. I just thought that would be a lame preacher joke, so I laid it out there for you. <laughs> Sorry, that was a pity honk. I could tell. This Lord of mine lived a simple way. And he didn't have much. But when he told lame people to walk, they walked. And when he told sick people to be well, they were well. And when he told the dead to live, they lived. Now, you want to know what wealth is? That's wealth. Wealth is the kingdom of God impacting kingdom of this world. I would rather have that than all these things that the world has that are fading so quickly away, which now we see more clearly. So, so we gave up our strength. And when we do, God makes us stronger, but he, he manages and controls that strength and it's for him. We give up our pride. We come to Jesus as the only answer. And there's a third sacrifice that the, the Hebrews 13 talks about. It says, let's offer through Jesus, a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Praise. You see, that was Israel's problem in the wilderness. They couldn't praise God. Man, God's feeding them every day, and he's providing water for them in the middle of a wilderness all the time, and all they can do is grumble and complain. And what happens, there's actually a story in Numbers that Jesus references in John chapter 3 where the grumbling and the complaining complainers, it triggers this outbreak of, fiery serpents they their grumbling and complaint turn into a literal manifestation of snakes that start biting them and the only answer the only way they get free of that is to look to a cross that that moses has made and then they're set free so their complaining and grumbling became these these vipers destroying their very lives and so I want, to come, I want to look at this sacrifice of continual praise, and I, I want to be the guy who's praising God. I ask God for a lot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the lottery, small things. I ask God for a lot, but a lot of times I'm asking God for forgiveness. I'm saying, God, forgive me. God, help me. God, provide for me. These are prayers we pray all the time. There's nothing wrong with those prayers, but we have to remember this, that we're here to praise God, not just ask for things. What if the next time that you were going through a hard time, struggling with sin, struggling with a financial need, a health need, 
rather than just asking God, God, help me, what if you just stopped and praised God for what he'd already done? I mean, think about it. <coughs> Excuse me. What if, what if we turned to God and said, God, I tell you what, I need forgiveness today, but thank God for forgiveness. Thank you that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. Thank you for all the miracles you brought in my life and all the amazing relationships. What if before we started the grumbling and the complaining, what if we just started the praising first? What if we, what if we praise God before we ask Him for anything? What if we started our day, started every prayer with a, with a big thank you to God for all the good things? And what if we realized that praise might be the way into some of the things we want to feel? Because a lot of times we're begging God, a lot of times we're begging God for forgiveness that he's already given because we want to feel forgiven. Well, instead of wallowing in the pity or the, the, the mistake or the sin or whatever it is, what if we just turned to God and praised him and just said, thank you for the forgiveness. Lord, I don't feel it, but I'm going to worship you and thank you until I do feel it. And, and what if we didn't let the vipers of complaining and grumbling into our life. So a sacrifice of praise. What if a sacrifice of praise to God filled you with greater joy? What if that altar produced joy in you? And the last sacrifice uh, that he says to us, he says, <clears throat> verse 16, don't forget to do good, to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Doing good. Doing good things. What an opportunity we have in our community right now to bless people, to bless each other. And what if God sees those sacrifices as, as, as miracles in the making, as the seed for miracles? You remember, you remember the day that 5,000 people didn't have food? And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, hey, you feed them. And they had nothing. McDonald's was closed. No one had any money. And there was a little boy in the crowd who had some, some bread and fish. That little boy gave his lunch to Jesus. And I, I think about the story and I'm, I'm thinking, I wonder if that little boy was really, if he understood that there, he probably wasn't going to eat now. He probably wasn't getting any food. He, he made a sacrifice. And he gave the disciples who took to Jesus some bread and fish. He gave up his lunch. But in doing so, he, he gave seed for a miracle. His offering, which was small, insignificant, fed thousands because of his sacrifice of good. I think of uh, Jesus' first miracle, the wedding of Cana, where he, his mother comes to him in the way that only a mother can. Says, hey, they're out of wine. And Jesus, it kind of reads like he's being a, a teenager attitude, but we know that can't be right. says, you know, what's that got to do with us, Mom? I think that's Mom's in the Greek somewhere. And she comes back like all-knowing mothers going, ah, I know he's about to do something. So she turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. And those servants gave a sacrifice. They went and filled up these water basins. They had no idea what they were doing, why they were doing it. They just did it. And out of their goodness, out of the good deed, the obedience to that command, Jesus turned water into wine, and I'm sure he turned that wedding into quite the celebration. My point is this. 
when we give good to others, even though it may cost us dearly, we give God the seeds of something miraculous. We might not be able to do much, but our little bit might be just enough for God to do the impossible with, for God to multiply. These sacrifices of doing good and sharing what we have with others are amazing. Also, you remember that old hymn, some of you may, some of you may not, that old hymn, Make Me a Channel of Blessing. What if, what if God is out there, I mean, what if God is looking at, around the world right now for people who will be a, a conduit, uh, people who will be a, a, like a, a vessel to share the goodness of God? I love the old quote that says, you'll never lack in the things you learn to give away. And what if we offer these sacrifices to God and God is able to bless and sustain people and maybe even cause things to thrive? Because God's people took serious that the altar that Jesus died on flipped the whole idea of sacrifices on its head. And now sacrifices don't get burned up. They get freed up. And that's what we need in our life. We need to free up things. And now is a great time to stop. And, and in this moment, this breath between what was and what's to come. And we have no idea. We're not even sure what was, but we sure don't know what's to come. But in this hitch between, this inhale or exhale, we need to, we need to come back to the simple understanding that Jesus Christ, he, he is all that matters. He's He's the answer. He is enough. I don't need Jesus and. I just need more Jesus. <clears throat> I wonder what it would have been like. And I guess I was thinking, what if there would have been two Hebrews? And I guess there were. Probably Joshua and Caleb. Two Hebrews that during the time that the nation of Israel was in the wilderness... They, they would get up every morning, and first thing they would probably do is go, Man, we're free! We, we are free! And then they would go, Look, breakfast! It's everywhere! God provided breakfast this morning! Bread from heaven! And, and rather than grumbling, All we have is this worthless bread, they were thankful. And they were like, Man, that rock, everywhere we go, that big rock is there. And there's always water pouring out of it. And rather than being the grumbler and the complainer, they began to, to realize that God was enough and that what God had provided was plenty and would always be plenty. And rather than grumbling, what if they swapped up recipes? <laughs> manna burgers, banana bread, French toast manna. I, I don't know. It's corny. It comes from an old, old song. My point is, there were at least two guys that rather than griping, they celebrated the goodness of God and the provision of God. Now, I know we'd never gripe about Christ, but sometimes we look to the world to provide for us what it cannot. And its ever-diminishing supply is just going to get worse, even though it may appear better in the short term. And so we have to remember that Jesus is enough. That the altar that Christ died on symbolically is an altar that sustains us. 
that Christ is all that matters. I don't know all the questions in life, but I know the answer, and his name is Jesus. Father God, I, I thank you. I thank you we get to do this. I, of course, I had something different envisioned. But Lord, that's okay. Because this earth, this world, ever diminishing. Only you are ever increasing. Only you are getting better and sweeter. Only with you is there more and more. I I wish I could tell every person that face to face. Papa, I mean it. I wish I could sit across the table from that, that single mom that's struggling financially right now or the business owner that is wondering if they're going to be able to hold it together when this is done. From the person who's still struggling with the same disease they had before this started, I, I wish I could just sit across the table and say, Jesus is an answer, he's the answer, and he is enough for this. I wish I could say, right now we need to stop looking at everything that's broken and everything that's diminishing and everything that's disappearing, and we need to look at the one who is ever-increasing the one who is life and who's life more abundantly. And Father, I just pray that any life that's out there that's on an edge today, that they would take these words to heart. Jesus is enough. Jesus is the answer. And I pray, Lord, that you would guide all those hearts safely home and you would help us as a faith community to stand for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just... If I got just one second here, let me just add that um, if you need to talk to someone, our uh, contact number is 307-224-4404. You could text that number. You could call and leave a message at that number. I'll be on it this afternoon. And uh, I just, if you need help, we're here. Hey, thanks for coming, guys. Drive in church.